0: Edwards Life Sciences would like to express our gratitude for all those on the front lines of responding to this fluid situation with COVID-19. We appreciate the strong leadership and dedication of healthcare providers to patients around the world, and we express our care and concern for you during this challenging time.
1: You're listening to Rock's Heart Radio. This month, Roxana Mehran hears how COVID-19 has impacted cardiology journals. Guests are Robert Bono, Filippo Crea, and Valentin Fuster. Hello, it's Roxana Moran from Mount Sinai Hospital in New York City. I am welcoming you all to Roxheart Heart Radio, and today's topic is on publications to cardiology journals. And my gosh, I am just so very blessed with three legends in cardiology. We have um, Professor Bono, uh, Dr. Bono from uh, Northwestern University, Editor-in-Chief of JAMA Cardiology. We have Dr. Professor Filippo Crea, Editor-in-Chief of the European Heart Journal from Italy. And at last but not least, my own boss uh, and uh, uh, Editor-in-Chief of the Journal of American College of Cardiology, Dr. Fuster, Physician-in-Chief here at Mount Sinai. Welcome to all of you. Thank you for spending time with me.
0: Thank you. Thank you you for the invitation.
1: So, I wanted to have a little sort of open conversation in an informal fashion, especially given the COVID 19 pandemic. The number of uh, submissions have skyrocketed. We've heard this from pretty much all of the um, publishers as well as the editors. So, you want to tell us what's happening as far as uh, you handling these publications, how you're reviewing, and how it's changed from the beginning of the pandemic when everybody was sort of very hungry for any kind of data to where we are today. Why don't we start with you, Dr. Bono?
2: Well, thank you, Roxana, and uh, thanks again for the invitation. I'd be delighted to see how uh, professors uh, Fuster and Krea address the same question, but um, since I'm starting, uh, you're, you're asking a really intriguing question because life goes on and we wanted to be sure that we were continuing to publish uh, in the usual form of manuscripts. Um, and I was amazed at how well the JAMA staff who handle our publications were able to do this because we received at the same time as the usual flow, an incredible influx of new information regarding an entirely new disease uh, in March and April, uh, obviously initially emanating out of China. Um, and many of our initial manuscripts came from China, but very quickly, we were receiving uh, good uh, uh, Review articles on um, what to expect in terms of myocarditis and uh, uh, viral infections uh, and then things started to happen in Europe and Italy and we received a number of manuscripts from Italy. And then finally, of course, in the, in the United States. Um, you know, we, we, we tr- nearly tripled our submissions in um, March and April, and I'm sure this is true of the other journals as well. And we very quickly had to sort out what was uh, new and important because this, again, was a new disease we had never seen before, and uh, what was going to be influential in terms of educating our readers. And um, I could see that the other journals were doing the same thing, and we got uh, Incredible new information, very, very rapidly and quickly, um, and so um, we were able to handle this. Uh, more recently, we're receiving fewer in terms of COVID, um, and uh, I'm sure we'll get into this too. That the the the, uh, the nature of the manuscripts now that we want to publish are different than we were originally. Originally, it was brand new. We need to get information out regarding the effects on the heart and the higher risk patients and so forth and uh, now we're more dealing with uh, some of the more ologic implications, as well as the long-term implications.
1: I know that the bar is high because I'm I'm an associate editor with you uh, Dr. Bono. I'd love to hear from Drs. Fuster and and Crea, especially Dr. Crea. I mean you're uh, uh, just picked up the journal uh, if I'm correct uh, and uh, uh, you've been involved, uh, obviously, very deeply with this journal for many, many years. Uh, and maybe you can share some of the experiences, especially since a lot of the, the epicenter was right in your, in your uh, nation.
0: Yeah, well, the, uh, what happened with our journal parallels what Bob said before. Uh, we have uh, a large amount of papers on covid uh, the total we received uh, this year on COVID was about 700 papers, which is 15% of the total. And in the rating, the peak of the, uh, of the uh, submissions coincide with the peak of the pandemic, at least at least in Italy uh, or in Europe. So the peak was in May. In May we received 200 manuscripts uh, dealing with COVID so it's really a large a large amount uh, the uh, acceptance rate coming to uh, papers uh, uh, relevant papers so let's say review articles or so original articles t- translational articles well the acceptance rate has been similar in this year for covid and non covid uh, about six percent for the European Journal. So the feeling is that uh, we had this pandemic of, of, of COVID submissions, but uh, uh, the overall quality uh, I mean, was such that uh, the acceptance rate was similar for COVID. For COVID. Uh, My personal feeling, I don't have figures to this regard. Of course, we can get figures, precise figures. My gut feeling is that, on average, the quality of COVID paper has been a bit less compared to to non-COVID paper. But the interest is such that, uh, again, acceptance rate was similar. And uh, all the paper we, uh, we have accepted, COVID paper, uh, from a methodological standpoint. That, uh, that Some from China, as Bob said before. Then from from Italy and then from Europe and now from the States.
1: No, it's it's amazing. I am I'm, I'm I'm certain. Uh, Dr. Fuso, you have anything uh, else to add? You're muted, but if you want to speak we can you'll have to unmute. But um it would be great to, um, to hear your view, if there's anything to be added. And, and specifically, if you can talk to me about how this has affected the non-COVID papers, which is what I'm hearing, that um, a lot of people are very concerned that the journals are too um, focused on COVID um, and uh, dis- maybe dismissing some good science. Uh, can, you, can, you tell, can you tell the world that that's not the case?
3: I would love to say that, but I can't. First of all, if I can tell you one word that affected the three of us, I'm sure is we were overwhelmed. That's number one. Overwhelmed because so many papers, you need reviewers, and everybody's asking for a fast track, and uh, and the, and then you tell them that cannot be fast track because they are not unique and they have to be reviewed statistically and then they become angry. So let me, summarize, let me summarize my thoughts. First of all, in the positive side, you know, we were able to publish aspects that were new, that were not recognized before. And that to me was very positive. Now in the negative side, is that the number of publications, that the number of papers that we receive every, every week which is about 100, it turned out to be 300 to 400. So triplicate at least, which has to had to look for new reviewers and new associate editors to help us. This in a way is negative, but I think the, the most important aspect that I felt quite uncomfortable is that you need for each paper is statistical analysis and actually, on these papers, it all comes with a rush. The statistical analysis is a lot to be desired. So it took the, some of these papers a long time to be reviewed. And actually, those who submitted the papers became very angry. So I'm giving you a sense that this has been like a little bit of a war between the journal and the, actually and those who submitted the papers. So. There's no question that the number of good papers have decreased. And this is across the board. And the question is is because COVID has distracted the investigators. I don't know if it is the case or not, but the reality is that uh, the, the type of paper that we used to receive before March of 2020, overall, the caliber were better than the papers that we receive now, which is in is much less in terms of those that are of caliber. And this explains that all the journals, and my friends can actually testify this, we have decreased the number of papers, original papers that we used to publish. And in fact, this has been one of the problems. So overall, I think it was very great that we were able to begin to, show something new in all being educated. On the other hand, one word is struggle.
1: Yeah, really difficult time. Uh, What do you all think, um, uh, Dr. Bono, Dr. Crea? Please unmute yourselves. And what do you all think to what Dr. Fuster just said? Are you actually getting um, not such great papers now? I don't know.
2: Um, that's a great a great point, and I guess I, I would have to respond that I still think we're receiving very good papers on non COVID topics. The struggle has been keeping up with them while we're keeping up with the COVID submissions, because as uh, Wellington mentioned, everybody's busy, so our, our review cycles are much longer getting reviewers who are available and have the time because everybody's very busy and stressed and disrupted by this so that just finding reviewers and then we we, and then having the reviewers respond on time so our our review cycle is longer than usual and that's where we're having discussions with our authors Exactly as Dr. Puster said, authors are, are, are angry that we are not interested in their material when it's COVID because a lot of that is repetitive now. Uh, we're looking for novel things that's going to educate people. But, but the standard processing of our good papers that are coming in is taking longer.
1: Professor Kraya.
0: Well, yes, we are definitely overwhelmed by a larger number of, of papers. As I said before, uh, with, uh, the total number of COVID papers—the uh, uh, percentage is 15% of the total. It is new papers which we are not here the last year. In addition, for San Luis we also had an increment about 15% of non-COVID papers. The total load uh, burden is about 30% more than more than the last year. Uh, And having more manuscripts and with a similar acceptance rate, this means that the competition for publication has become a bit tougher. Uh, Coming to the quality of uh, non COVID paper, uh, uh, I think that uh, the average quality of non COVID paper is uh, is similar to to, to to that of of the past years. Uh, when we come to COVID as I said to you before, I don't have numbers, but the gut feeling is that it's uh, a bit less than uh, uh, non COVID paper. But uh, uh, of course, uh, of course, again, the uh, risk wants to know about COVID. So we have a threshold. I mean, we try, of course, to have methodologies and paper. But this ratio for COVID paper is uh, perhaps a bit uh, lower compared to non-COVID papers. Coming to reviewers, uh, I mean our strategy is been to really uh, reject without review many, many papers, when the feeling was that eventually that particular paper had really no chance to be published eventually, we prefer to spare the time of our reviewers and we rejected many, many papers without without review. This, of course, is a burden, a a greater burden on on the editors. Uh, but at uh, the European Journal, uh, we are lucky because we have really a very large editorial board with deputy and associate editors. So this, uh, this extra burden uh, was shared by uh, a large group of editors. And uh, uh, let's say, putting more pressure on the editors allowed us to put less, less pressure, lesser pressure on the reviewers.
1: It's interesting. Yes. It's really, really interesting. I'm going to push you guys on a couple of tough questions. Yes, Roxana, I, I want to it.
3: clarify. Roxana, let me clarify. Yeah. The number of papers that we publish with quality is the same,
1: of but course. the number
3: of rejections, just a moment, the number of rejections is much larger. And part of the problem is that COVID has prevented many projects to really be finished properly. Right. So I think that we are not saying that what we are published now is lousy. What we are saying is, is exactly the same, but the acceptance rate of all the papers that come in has significantly decreased.
1: No, I, 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 I'm I, a hundred percent. That's what I took away from uh, from your original, uh, original comments, which were very, very much right on. So I'm going to push you guys on a couple of tough questions and answer it um, Please in a short way because I, I want I want to make sure we're done exactly in about five minutes or so, but um uh, the, the this, these preprints the ones that are getting that are coming out um uh, before even the the you all are accepting the journal the the research that is getting printed off and then coming back to the journal and sometimes uh, we see different results. Uh, what do you all think about that? Are you discouraging your, um, your authors to do that? And then, um, are there any papers that you did accept or rejected that you wish that you hadn't? In this very busy time.
3: I can answer, well, I can answer is unacceptable. However, if I recall, I think we have accepted two papers that came through that mechanism. But I think a, a paper that is not properly reviewed, I think, is unacceptable. This is my view.
1: Yeah, I know that you are very much against that. Dr. Bono, Dr. Crea?
2: Um, I agree with uh, Dr. Fuster about the uh, the preprints. Uh, we're seeing more and more of them, um, and uh, they are du- many times dubious quality. Many of them never get published in a peer-reviewed journal. Um, and. It's a concern because um, they get picked up by the media and uh, they're not peer reviewed. Um, patients may be receiving information which is not critical. And um, I think it's, it's an issue. On the, on the other hand, science moves fast, getting information out quickly, especially with COVID, I think was important. And I think the preprint um, mechanism had, did allow for some early information about COVID that was important. But in general, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous about where preprints are going. And this, the, the data are, statistically, uh, the vast majority of them do not show up in a peer-reviewed journal, ultimately.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: Well, um, my, my, well I, I fully agree, of course, with, uh, uh, with uh, uh, Professor and Bottle. But on the other hand, I, I see preprints like the rain. We can protest against the rain. But it will rain. Uh, in uh, uh, European Journal, we are trying to set up uh, uh, the uh, repository for preprints. I mean, we, the intention is to offer the print service to the to the others, with the agreement that when the paper is uh, is published, uh, of course, it's removed by this preprint repository. I think that. Uh, uh, Again, uh, it's not an ideal system and I don't like it, uh, but uh, again, uh, the rain comes, I mean, we can, uh, we can uh, protest against the rain, but uh, eventually the glacier is such that it can be difficult to prevent for a long time in the future this preprint attitude. I want to clarify, Roxana, there are two types of preprints.
3: Be sure we don't confuse here. Oh, yes. The, the preprint that is not reviewed, which is what we are talking about, yes. is a preprint that has been fully reviewed and appears before it comes into the journal. The oh, second one is justified.
1: Of course, yeah, that, of course. Is
0: advanced publication. Yeah.
1: So in the final moments, I want you to speak to your uh, authors. Uh, a message to your authors. So we'll start with Jack, then we'll go to European Heart Journal and we'll finalize with JAMA Cardiology. Please tell the authors, what are you looking for? COVID, non-COVID? Dr. Fuster, you go first.
3: Anything that has quality, thank you. <laughs>
1: okay, great. So you want novelty, no? Novelty and That's exactly quality. the issue. Okay, great. Dr. Crea? Well, three things. First,
0: Methodologically sound. If the paper, if the methods are not sound, uh, there is, I mean, really no room. So methodology has to be sound. We have to identify a clear, uh, additional, innovative value compared to what has been already published. And the third element is more philosophical. is difficult to quantify, but the paper has to be inspiring. Uh, sound methodologically, novel and inspiring.
1: Lovely. Dr. Bonnell.:
2: Very little to add to uh, Professors Kreia and Puster. Uh, novelty is key, quality, well-written, but very rigorous methods. Uh, You know, I read the abstract and then I immediately go to the methods. And uh, after that, I might be interested in seeing something else. But uh, uh, the methodology becomes critically important The biostatistical uh, rigor uh, is, is key.
1: Well, what great advice for all of the authors who are listening, potential authors. Please submit your science, really important do clinical research, it's vital to our existence in in the practice of cardiology. And of course, uh, very, very importantly, you heard from the legends here and the editors in chief, they're looking for novelty, they're looking for high quality science, inspirational science, and of course, something that makes an important difference in the practice and improving the health outcomes of our patients with cardiovascular disease. What a thrilling honor to be with you all. And I love that you did not make a distinction between COVID versus non-COVID papers, that they're all basically looked very, very similarly across the board from these three incredible journals of cardiology. Thank you for all the work that you do in making sure that our science is sound and high quality. And thank you for being with me here on Rocks Heart Radio.
3: Thank you for Roxana Radio.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Happy Thanksgiving to all of you. you. Thank
3: you.